welcome back. Uh, this week we are talking about From Russia With Love, film from 1963, once again starring Sean Connery, directed by Terrence Young. Um, so this one is the producers, uh, Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, are starting to get more comfortable with uh, the property they have in their hands. Terrence Young is getting more uh, comfortable as a director. Sean Connery is getting more comfortable as an actor. And so you get a, a, a movie that's just, it's better paced. It's um, even on the music side, the, the music is much tighter. Uh, all in all, a better movie. Um, so overall, what did you think of what we watched? Um, I think it was um, a little easier to follow. Mm-hmm. It's still cheesy as I'll get out. 1963. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to remember some of the points, but we'll talk about it and you'll, yeah, as, as you I'll talk about it, it'll remind me of things. But, um, but no, I think it was a little easier to follow than the first one. Yeah. The plot's pretty much more straightforward. Yeah. I didn't feel so like when we were watching To Russia With Love, I kept picking up my phone and going to Facebook. You mean Dr. No? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. No, because this one's. From, from Russia. Russia with love. Yeah. So, Dr. No, sorry. When we were watching the other one, I kept picking up my phone, going to Facebook, and like, oh, no, I'm watching a movie. I need to put it down. I kept, like, forgetting that I was watching a movie because I just could not follow it. It's okay. It so. is It is one of my favorite nap time jam, James Bond movies. It's one I probably turn on the most, but watch the least. Gotcha. Um, so, let's just get right into it. I'll start from the beginning, work to the end, and I've got uh, my From Russia with Notes here. Uh, so we'll get right into it. So right off the bat, uh, with the introduction, the the music is much faster. It's got a better arrangement, um, and we start off uh, as most good 1960s movies do at night in a hedge maze uh, behind what looks to be a party. Uh, James Bond is in his tux, and he looks really nervous and slightly plastic. Um, <laughs> We see uh, Robert Shaw of Jaws fame uh, stalking James Bond through the maze. And then all of a sudden, Robert Shaw strangles James Bond uh, and kills him. Movie's over. Franchise is done. <laughs> you can all go home. That's the end of the movie. But wait, no. no. Peel back the mask. It's someone with a mustache. We don't know who, just someone with a mustache. Uh, but it's not James Bond. Lights turn on in the background and come to find out this was a training exercise. Hmm. So then we go into the title sequence. Um, and this is the first time for the James Bond franchise where we get our misogyny straight up in the title sequence with uh, dancing belly dancers in front of a projection screen. Uh, yeah, that was really awkward. Oh, very. <laughs> uh, it's We haven't quite gotten to future movies will have they'll still have scantily clad women dancing around but there will be a little bit more artistry and um and effects to what they're doing this was literally women in a dark room uh dancing in front of the projected credits yeah uh which which made it weird yeah. um again they are learning this process as they go along and the the credits are probably one of the weaker parts of this movie. So, moving on, we transition out of the credits into a giant chess room uh, where we see Kronstein, uh, who will be one of our antagonists, not so uh, subtly given a note under his water. 
He then decides to end the game quickly, checkmating his opponent uh, in just one or two moves. So uh, this scene has some of the best set dressing um, for the time. Uh, just fantastic set design. Uh, the ceiling in the room, uh, you may not even remember this scene, the ceiling is actually a matte painting. Oh, wow. I don't, rem- I don't remember that. I remember the scene, but I don't remember... I think that's when I came in kind of halfway through. I didn't seem to get the note, but it was at the end of the game when I, when I joined you. So, uh, Bronstein goes from the scene to meet the mastermind behind Spectre. I, uh, when we were watching, uh, mistakenly said that this was Sean Connery, uh, as I did some research later. No, uh, it is not. It is someone who sounds a lot like Sean Connery, (laughs) but is not in fact Sean Connery, uh, doing the voice of Spectre. Uh, Fun fact, the person who body doubles for the Mastermind of Spectre is actually um, Professor Dent from Dr. No, last week's movie, uh, is basically just sitting there being a warm body to hold the role of uh, a character that will be revealed in a few movies. Uh, But right now, he's just kind of number one, the Mastermind. Just never shows him. Uh, It will, eventually. Right, but like in that movie, it never shows him. Um, and because some people will be watching these movies for the first time, I'm not, no spoilers. Yeah. It's just one of the most iconic villains of all time. <laughs> so at this point we are introduced to number three, Colonel Rosa Klebb. Um, in this scene, we, uh, get to see that Kronstein is really good at coming up with plans. We also find out he is an arrogant SOB. Uh, And so the plan for the bad guys in this is to set up a a situation that the British government and specifically James Bond won't be able to uh, turn down. They're going to set up a situation in which a lecture decoding machine, which will allow the British to be able to decipher Soviet messages, will be in their hands. Uh, This will also be handled by a beautiful woman so that James Bond uh, won't be able to turn it down. Uh, and if you watch Dr. No, you'll know that a better plan would have just been to set a bottle of Smirnoff vodka on top of it. <laughs> so, uh, we then transition from this to the training grounds that we saw in the opening cold, in the cold open, uh, where Rosa Club gets off of a helicopter, sees all sorts of people shooting guns, fighting, awkwardly karate chopping. And she comes up on, uh, the character played by Robert Shaw, who is named Red Grant, uh, and he is being awkwardly uh, massaged by a lady that we couldn't decide was in her underwear or bikini. Doesn't really matter. Just it, the whole outfit felt awkward. Um, she then comes up and then uh, just punches him in the stomach with some brass knuckles. And she's all of five one. He is six. <laughs> Six four in the scene, it just and feels... he's just a wall of a man. Yes, and in fact, she just came and like tapped him with the knuckles and said he'll do. Yeah, my my thought is uh, that's how the librarian always handled the guy who was talking in the in the library. <laughs> so from this point forward, um, anytime there's a scene, uh, if you in the lead up to or the follow up from a scene. Uh, Red Grant, Robert Shaw, will be creeping around the scene. So leading up to the next scene, Robert Shaw is creeping around. And we go into an office and Rosa Klebb is uh, recruiting 
uh, Tatiana Romanova. Uh, and uh, if it uh, isn't clear to um, everyone involved, uh, Rosa is a lesbian. And a little background for anyone who doesn't know, uh, anytime Jam- uh, Ian Fleming writes a James Bond novel, uh, lesbians are the bad guys. Uh, and they remain bad guys until uh, James Bond, quote unquote, turns them uh, from their lesbianism and uh, from the side of evil to the side of the angels. And uh, yeah, uh, Fleming had some problems with lesbians. Anyhow, hmm. um, so uh, the uh, young Tatiana Romanov, Romanova, pardon me, I want to say the name of the Black Widow from... Uh, uh, from the Marvel movies, which is uh, Natasha Romanoff. Ah. Uh, anyhow, uh, she is told you will either be here to help uh, James Bond with this mission, or you will be shot. Uh, in this That's moment, not much of a choice. Nope. <laughs> um, so at this point, Club is uh, she is pretending to still work for the Soviet government, but she does not. Fun fact, because this movie was right in the middle of the Cold War and they did not want to portray the Soviets as bad guys, Spectre, who was the shadow organization from Dr. No, was brought over to this film uh, so as not to angry Russian audiences. Uh, the Russians are, are in the James Bond movies. They're not really the bad guys, but kind of in a roundabout way, they, they <laughs> turn out to be the bad guys. It's a lot of fun. Uh, through the movie License to Kill, the Russians are always, uh, the Soviets are always kind of this background uh, threat uh, in in the Cold War uh, narrative that's going on. Anyhow, we then transition out of this scene over to James Bond's boat where he is with his steady girl, at least for this movie, Sylvia Trench, back from Dr. No. Um, they are hanging out. Um, and Bond is being just as dismissive to her as he is to any woman. Um, he is then called back to the office before teasing uh, Sylvia that he'll have a dalliance with her before he goes. Uh, we get back to the office of the interior, or MI6, and um, Bond's about to flirt with Money Punny, and then when he opens the door and sees that M is standing behind the door, he stops that real quick. <laughs> Very awkwardly. Uh, yeah, very, very awkwardly. At this point, we are introduced to Q for the second time. In the first movie, he's just referred to as Major Boothroyd. In this film, he is referred to as the Quartermaster of Q. Uh, this is the first movie in which he is played by Desmond Llewellyn, uh, who will play Q uh, all the way through 1999's The World Is Not Enough. Hmm. Um this is also the first Bond movie in which we get our first gadgets. Um, and Q will perform his role in this, as in movies down the road, where he will explain all the rules of how things work. So you, as the viewer, when they are building suspense, know exactly how things are supposed to and not supposed to work. Yes. So, uh, as soon as all of the assignment is given, the assignment is to go get the girl, get the lector machine, and get out. Uh, Bond is off on a Pan Am flight to Istanbul. As soon as Bond arrives to a rendition of the James Bond theme song, he speaks in code to the agent on duty uh, just to let everyone in the audience and them know uh, they are on the level. 
So, moving on, we are now introduced to Karen Bay, uh, who is going to be the mentor helper character in this film. Uh, trivia, I let you know, uh, the actor, while they were filming this, was in uh, terminal cancer. Uh, he, he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and was um, told as soon as filming finished that he was in the final stages and that it was going to get worse. And so Pedro Armendariz um, committed suicide um, after he got that news. Before the film ever released, he, he didn't get to see his his role. And he's actually quite good. Karen oh, Bay yeah. might be one of the best parts of this movie. You would never be able to tell that he was uh, fighting terminal cancer yeah. during that. Uh, actually, in some of the scenes, uh, we'll get to a scene here in a little bit, um, but uh, during a major fight scene, uh, his character is not played by him. It's shot at a distance, and it's actually played by the director, Terrence Young. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, Bond gets to his hotel, inspects his hotel room, notice that it's bugged, and immediately gets upgraded, upgraded to the bridal suite, which is a much better bugged room. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, we come to find out that, uh, they're going to figure out what's going on at the consulate to get the lector machine. Karen Bay is reviewing his files and he cannot be bothered to have sex with his mistress. Um, (laughs) he is just, he is really into those files and this poor woman just dying for his attention, almost literally dies because a bomb goes off. Um, at this point, uh, Bob and him have a little back and forth. We find out that that poor woman left in hysterics, understandably. Yeah. Um, and we then go into the Istanbul catacombs and come to find out this was actually a location shoot. Uh, and it is gorgeous. Uh, there, you have kind of an underground kind of lake or reservoir, uh, or river, and you have all these, uh, posts and pillars all around mm-hmm. and they use a gondola to get around and it's really really cool yeah it was really cool except for the rats well i mean they made it very realistic with the rats as he was trying to row the boat uh-huh. like i'm like oh there's a lot of rats on that war uh yep a lot of rats underwater catacombs uh yeah a lot but, like a certain james bond or uh, indiana jones movie yeah but it was realistic and it was only like a very short scene and you yep. know it was just i'm like wow that was realistic all right, so uh, they get to their destination, which is under the Russian consulate. They spy under the floor. At this point, we're introduced to a secondary or tertiary uh, antagonist, uh, Krilenko. Uh, we come to find out that he is a Bulgarian uh, killer uh, hired by the Russians to take out uh, anybody that they want out of their way. Uh, we then move on to a Romani encampment. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that phrasing, it is another term for gypsy. Um, yes. And uh, we are then treated to just an exploitative scene uh, where every stereotype of gypsy is uh, put to the test. And on top of that, we are treated to the nice sexist belly dance and cat fight. Yes. Fortunately for the people involved and the viewer, the cat fight is interrupted by a gunfight. <laughs> Um, it's during this scene uh, that um, Karen Bay is doubled by uh, Terrence Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrence Young pops in. Uh, the actor playing Karen Bay just, he was sick. He couldn't be on set. Um, and throughout the gunfight, James Bond is just, 
I don't think he cares who he's shooting. He's like, he's just very daintily hitting people on the head with his gun. Yeah, I like the big guy that came from, he barely shoved him and he fell over. And then he just kind of took the back of his gun and tapped his back and like that killed the guy. I don't know, it was like- It very much reminds me of at the end of the movie, Bowfinger, they're shooting a film in Taiwan and they're having a fight scene and Eddie Murphy, very gingerly like lifts his foot like he might be thinking about kicking someone and the person goes flying back <laughs> it reminded yeah. me of that yeah that's what it was because it was like he barely tapped him with it you like like giving somebody a gentle high five and they yeah. killed the guy i don't know it was <laughs> so uh, throughout the gunfight um there are a couple of times where someone's about to get the drop on bond and uh, Red Grant uh, actually, from the shadow, saves Bond's life. Um, we get the feeling that he he has some sinister purpose for Bond to complete. So when the fight is over, we are then treated to back-to-back both the least sexist thing and the most sexist thing that James Bond does in this film. Uh, the least sexist thing is he stops the cat fight. He's like... Uh, call the girls off of each other. He then does the most sexist thing in treating them like objects and keeps both girls for himself, making them press his shirt. Oh, gosh. I I love these movies for their fun spy work and, and some of the the, the time period uh, uh-huh. costumes, gadgets, and, and just there's some charm to them. But, man, the sexism just, oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, um, yeah. So at this point, uh, Bond and Karen Bay go on the hunt. Karen Bay was injured during the fight. Uh, and so they find out where Kalanko is holed up. He is holed up in an apartment behind a billboard for a um, Bob, and I'm blanking on his last name, Hope, Bob Hope uh, yeah. movie poster. Uh, as Kalanko attempts to come out of the billboard, uh, he is sniped uh, by Karen Bay using the uh the sniper rifle provided by Q. And it's a really, uh, really honestly suspenseful scene, but the coolest thing about that scene to me is the gadget. The The sniper rifle is a real rifle. Uh, apparently, uh, they still sell that rifle. Oh, wow. So at this point, Bond, thinking that at least this portion of the job is done, goes back to his hotel to find Tatiana naked in bed waiting for him. And at this point, Bond kind of embracing the seduction, but also interrogating her um, is the most stereotypical Bond. We then find out that Cleb and one of her henchmen are behind the mirror behind the bed watching. I missed that part. Yep. How did I miss that? Uh, Believe it or not, it is actually uh, integral to the plot, which we will get back to shortly. And as we move on, uh, we see that Bond has arranged to meet with Tatiana uh, to get some proof that she's on the level, a map of the consulate. They're going to meet at an Eastern Orthodox church. As they go into the church to meet, uh, a KGB tail is following Tatiana and attempting to prevent uh, James from uh, getting the information. Uh, but Red Grant is tailing everyone and kills the guy uh, attempting to stop Bond. 
Uh, at this point, we gather between the Romani camp and uh, this uh, KGB incident. Grant wants Bond to succeed. Uh, he wants him to finish the mission. It's not just about uh, it's not just about killing Bond. It's it's also about embarrassing both Soviet and British governments. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we move on, uh, Bond and Karen Bay. Uh, look over the consulate plans, verify their uh, their truthfulness. Bond takes Tatiana out on a boat ride um, and interrogates her using some, I'm guessing, microfilm. Um, but the idea is to find out that A, she's on the level, B, uh, how things and where things happen at the consulate, uh, what the week looks like. Uh, as a uh, as this is going on, the scene then transitions to M's office where we are listening to the briefing that has made its way to uh, back to M from James Bond. Uh, M, with a room full of uh, dignitaries uh, and other intelligence officials, listen as Tatiana continually tries to seduce Bond. <laughs> and at one point, Bond starts to go into a story about the one time him and M were at Tokyo and M turns off the radio and asks Money Punny to leave, who promptly walks into the other room to listen through the <laughs> yes. through the speaker. So, having verified that everything is on the level, Bond actually goes in a couple days early and steals Tatiana and the decoder from the consulate. At this point, Bond, Karen Bay, and Tatiana all escape on the Orient Express. And come to find out, they actually shot on location on the Orient Express. Oh, wow. Uh, they actually used a different path than normal uh, for shooting. Um, but their cover is that they are there as honeymooners. Shortly into the trip, Karen Bay is murdered, as is the KGB agent who was tailing them. Bond suspects Tatiana uh, and proceeds to smack her as Sean Connery was wont to do with women. Um <laughs> At this point, uh, Bond gets off uh, the train at a designated stop, meets with Karen Bay's son, uh, informs him of his father's death, gives him his belongings, uh, and sends word down the line that he needs a British contact to meet him uh, for exfiltration. Uh, During all of this, once again, Red Grant is creeping in the shadows, listening. Um, As... The train ride continues. At the next stop, Bond goes to meet his contact, uh, who we learn uh, is killed by Grant, and Grant assumes his identity. Uh, He proceeds to call Bond old man an awful lot (laughs) uh, and takes Bond and Tatiana out to dinner. At this point, uh, Grant poisons Tatiana. Uh, It seems to be just a drug puts her under, doesn't kill her or anything. Um, But they take Tatiana back to Bond's room. At this point, it seems that Grant is about to get the drop on Bond, but Bond gets the drop on him, only for Grant to get the drop back on him. This is the most convoluted part of the movie. I apologize. Um, At this point, uh, Bond gets enough information out of Grant to figure out what's going on and tricks him into utilizing the uh, booby-trapped briefcase that he brought along, provided by Q. Uh, 
we proceed to get one of the best film fist fights uh, ever. Uh, it is a brutal fight, especially compared to any other fight in this movie. It's just a great fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end, Bond strangles Grant with his own garrote. Um, and at this point, Bond and Tatiana jump from the train. Uh, something I didn't mention a couple minutes ago was Grant informed Bond when Bond had the initial drop on him that he had an escape route. Uh, as he was showing Bond the escape route, uh, that's when Grant got the drop on him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Grant's escape route apparently was a flower truck. Um, and Bond kidnaps this poor driver, who I guess was a bad guy, but maybe not. He might have just been an Uber driver circa 1962. <laughs> But it doesn't matter um, because they get away. And at this point, they begin to be chased by a helicopter. Uh, One of the great things in this movie is this is one of the first movies to have a helicopter in it. Um, You'll notice the bubble design, only two seats. Um, You'll see uh, this helicopter utilized in things like the Batman TV series in the 1960s, uh, even on MASH. This is one of the earliest um, used regularly used helicopters in circulation and it's pretty cool to see it 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 definitely puts a uh, puts a time uh stamp on this film Mm. but uh we get a scene that's inspired by north by northwest uh where they're attempting to uh gun down or bond uh or bomb james bond uh bond pulls out his sniper rifle shoots the gunner and blows up the helicopter and uh, even though you can see right through the seams of the chase, it actually, for the most part, holds up. Uh, at this point, uh, Bond transitions over to a boat from the truck uh, after sending their Uber driver into the water. Uh, they're then chased by a ton of Spectre goons. Uh, between uh, the transition between the helicopter and the boat chase, uh, number one meets with uh, Kronstein and Kleb, and we think that he's going to kill Kleb for messing up, but instead he kills Kronstein because Kronstein was an arrogant jerk, and his plan failed, and he couldn't admit that he failed. If only certain other arrogant jerks could admit their plans failed. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, in the boat chase, uh, Bond is being chased by people with rocket propelled grenades, rifles. He has a flare gun and fuel barrels. So he uses them and burns these poor people into Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) At this point, we then move over to Bond in a hotel room with Tatiana. All seems to be well. We get some Pellegrino product placement. Uh, and at this point, the housekeeper comes in, but we know it's not any ordinary housekeeper. No. It's Cleb. Yeah. And Cleb comes in and attempts to use her little knife shoe to kill Bond. But she's all of 5'2", and Bond at 6'4", holds her at bay with a chair, which is humiliating. Uh, Tatiana has been ordered by Cleb to kill Bond, but instead she kills Cleb. Um, at this point... Uh, Cleb's death is really awkward um, and looks like she is in climax at the climax of the film. (laughs) Uh, But all for naught, Bond gets the girl, the movie ends, the end, it's all good. 
and we get the crooner version of the theme song from Russia with Love. So, fun note, in the original book, Club actually gets Bond with her poison knife shoe. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, this was not the second James Bond novel. Uh, I want to say Fleming had written several, but he wasn't sure if he wanted to write more at the point that he was writing From Russia With Love. And okay. so he wanted an out in the similar way to um, how uh, they wanted to have an out for Sherlock Holmes to be done um, so that um, Arthur Conan Doyle wanted an out so he could be done writing these detective mm -hmm. stories. Uh, he kills him off at the end of the book. At the end of this, uh, Bond is in a state where maybe he's dead, maybe he's alive. You don't know. Uh, but when he was either talked into or just felt the need to come back, Bond is recovering in a hospital, which is a movie we'll get uh, about two from now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, overall, this, uh, this used to be my favorite Bond movie. Uh, watching it this time, and actually watching very closely all the way through, uh, some stuff doesn't age as well, and so I don't know if it's still my favorite, but um, it's yeah. as far as Sean Connery's, I believe it's my favorite. It is a lot more straightforward. Um, there is just enough subterfuge. There's probably one too many twists, but it's fine. It's, um, again, this is Sean Connery coming into his own in this role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask how many, and um, we probably already even talked about this, but you know, my brain just doesn't hold things most mm -hmm. of the time. How many James Bond movies is Sean Connery in as James Bond? Okay. Let's see here. There's Dr. No, there's From Russia With Love, there's next week's Goldfinger, there's Thunderball, there's You Only Live Twice. Uh, I'll get into behind the scenes reasons why he was contracted to do another one, left. Um, and was released from the contract. Okay. Came back to do one more in 1974. Oh, okay. And then left again, and then made a an unofficial James Bond movie in 1983. <laughs> uh, so let's see here. That's five plus two, seven. He made okay. seven. Who? Which actor made the most James Bond movies? Was it Sean Connery? Official James Bond movies, it's Roger Moore. Okay. Unofficially, uh, he and Roger Moore, uh, Sean Connery and Roger Moore are tied. Okay. I was just curious. Now, that said, uh, as of now, um, Daniel Craig has played the character the longest. He hasn't made the most movies, mm -hmm. but he has played the character the longest. Okay. Excuse me. Because there's more time between movies? Yes. Gotcha. Uh I want to say that um, Roger Moore, it was 10 years. Uh, Sean Connery, consecutively, it was seven years. Mm. Yeah, uh, Daniel Craig has been at it since uh, 2006. Oh, wow. Okay. So, there, there are a few. That's 14 years. <laughs> yes. Uh, but some neat things to pay attention to as we watch movies going forward, especially after next week, is pay attention to some uh, when they go to another country or maybe the film takes on a, a slightly different tone for a scene or two. 
uh, pay attention to that because the James Bond movies have a they have a a theme in them of they take on what's going on around them. They take mm-hmm. what's interesting in the world to the producers and they shove it into the movies. Sometimes really well and sometimes not so much. Yeah. Um, but for example, when we get into the 70s, we'll get some black exploitation films. Uh, when we uh, get to the late 60s, we're actually going to have some martial arts uh, oh. going on uh, in the films uh, and not the awkward Sean Connery tapping somebody with a pistol. <laughs> Um, all kinds of neat stuff comes up. Uh, I absolutely adore the fashion in this film. I feel like the, especially in the early '60s, we were right on the cusp of of the past and the future meeting, and I just really enjoy the the timeless nature of of that fashion. Yeah. But that's all we have for this week. Next week uh, is one I'm not looking forward to because uh, it's probably one of my least favorite James Bond movies. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we will be watching the film Goldfinger, uh, starring once again Sean Connery. Uh, and after that, um, there's a whole lot more. So if you're still with us, stick with it. If not, well, I hope you enjoy whatever else you're doing. Have a great week. Bye.